0: You are listening to a podcast from the National. VAT, the much anticipated law for it, was approved this week by the President Sheikh Khalifa. Details of what will and will not be subject to value added tax from January 1st were forthcoming, and we will get into the nitty gritty of it during the next half hour or so, I promise. Welcome to The National's Business Extra podcast from our newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Weekly, we provide insight and additional analysis on the biggest business, economic, and finance stories affecting us here, as well as the wider region and the world. Today is your guide to VAT. And with us to help in that guidance is David Daly, consultant, CFO, and a partner at Argent Gulf Consulting, and of course, a regular contributor to The National. David, welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. It's Very good to have you here, because as I said um, at the beginning of the show, we had the landmark law that everyone was anticipating would come through, and it's given us some insight and some clarity, and of course, some questions, of course, will always be raised. Um, so maybe we can run through a little bit about it, but if we talk big
1: picture, VAT is actually coming to the UAE on January 1st. It is, and it always was. Um... The simplest way to think about it is the projection is it will raise about 13 billion dirham in year one. And the federal budget for next year released is 47. So 26% of next year's spend will come from VAT. And if you think about any normal business entity, it wouldn't forego one quarter of the money it intends to spend. And I do appreciate people have said to me and have written uh, that they didn't believe it would be implemented. Well, yes, it's going to happen. It is happening. And in fairness to the Federal Tax Authority, they've spent all year holding multiple seminars uh, telling us what would be in it. And in that, the VAT law, most of it's been trailed. There aren't huge surprises in there. There are things not there. And we suspected that some things might get pushed into the next tier of information, which is called executive regulations. If we can get into the basics first, which is
0: maybe people out there a little bit confused, right? So forgive us those of you who are already
1: across this, but what is VAT? VAT is a consumption tax that applies across the supply chain. Most of us will have bumped into a consumption tax of some sort or a sales tax sales tax, which India's had up until recently, which the Americans have. And this is a tax which is applied at the point of purchase by a final consumer. The issue with that is that all the tax from a government perspective, which is being collected, uh, accumulates in one point. So if there's a fraud, the government loses everything. The idea of VAT was to apply the tax on a uh, right through the supply chain, and if there was a fraud, there'd be fraud typically at one point, and they would only lose a fraction of the, of the revenues that they would have uh, in a pure sales tax environment. And how does it differ from... The the excise tax, which we've heard about recently on sugary drinks and tobacco. Yeah. Excise tax is typically known as a sin tax. So it's going to apply to cigarettes, to fizzy drinks, and to energy drinks uh, at rates of 50 to 100%. It does feel quite punitive, but given what a bottle of pop is a couple of dirham, it's now going to go up to four dirham. It's not the end of the world. And quite frankly, you probably shouldn't be drinking it. Uh, Smoking's bad for you. Cigarettes here are very cheap relative to what they are in the Western world. They're going to double in price. Um, uh, and it is trying to encourage you to move away from consuming items which are bad for you and ultimately uh, put a social cost on the country in terms of lost productivity because of illness and additional health costs. General sales tax, like VAT, applies to pretty much everything. There are exceptions, uh, which I think we're going to get into later on. I feel like when, when I talk about
0: VAT, when I read about VAT, that it's almost a living organism. It's a complex organism. We're not talking about single-cell amoeba here, but yeah. something on a whole other level. And, and you deal with it every
1: day. Is, is that a fair description? Oh, absolutely. The, I think the best example is probably the gingerbread man in the UK. The gingerbread man, that lovely treat we had as a child... He's got two little chocolate eyes um, on a piece of gingerbread shaped like a human being. In Britain, if he's got just chocolate eyes, there is no VAT. However, if you put three little buttons on his chest, it's 20% extra. And why? Because that was the case law. (laughs) In the same way, in Britain, uh, books have no VAT. But when electronic books came along, they decided that that did not fall into the same category as a physical book. And therefore, they applied VAT. There were various court cases. And you now pay 20% on electronic books. The, the court cases, and the, the big famous one in Europe was the Jaffa Cake or Jaffa
0: Biscuit yep. um, legal precedent, mm-hmm. which was about whether it was a
1: cake, the Jaffa Cake, actually a cake. Yep. And so it was not subject to VAT. Correct. At the time, it had been treated as a biscuit. And if you go into a shop, it typically is sold beside biscuits. Uh, and for years, nobody passed any remarks. And Jaffa, the the McVitie's, the makers themselves, and they make a billion of them a year, all in the UK. They decided to challenge this and said, if you actually look at what constitutes a Jaffa cake, it's actually a cake. Forget the name. And they won. Um, So they had to uh, start charging it without VAT, so that took 20% off the price. Weirdly, in Ireland, and this is where you get into a wonderful cacophony of different rules, and in the EU's case, 28 of them, uh, because of the the mixture in the product it is treated as a reduced fat, I think it's 8%. So you get different countries treating exactly the same things in different ways. The wonderful example in this country is hotel rooms. We have got a situation where in certain emirates, municipality tax is applied to the hotel, and in others, it's applied to the guest. Where it's applied to the hotel, as I understand it, VAT will apply. Where it applies to the guests, it won't. So we now have different rules for the same thing in the same country. Can we anticipate a flurry of litigation oh, as a any- result of VAT? Yes, where the amounts of money are uh, material enough. What has surprised me here is the appeal process. I would have expected a separate court system to deal with appeals rather than for it to go to the normal appeal system. So how it's going to work is you appeal in the first instance to the Federal Tax Authority. They will assign a uh, an individual to look at the case if you're not happy with that. And that person is independent of whoever made the initial decision. You then have an appeals process and you get a tax inspector and you get an independent. Uh, I believe it might be three people just to make sure there's a casting vote. And if you're not happy there, you go to the, nor- through the normal court system. I'm surprised that they haven't created a new stream. And maybe that is something that will get created in time. Because uh, what you don't want is a legal uh, backlog
0: well it comes it comes back to revenue doesn't it i mean you want to collect your revenue yes. and if there's if there's if there are court cases and litigations and, and and confusion then you're less likely to to get as much revenue plus we anticipate on a broader uh, level that there will be sort of a little bit of a pause in the growth of consumption at the beginning of next year as
1: people kind of jockey to see how things fall out. Yes, and I think it'll be less about where the price moves and more people feeling that they've got to find out where prices have moved. People might be surprised to find that prices have probably been edging up over the summer and that uh, a lot of entities have already uh, got that price increase in uh, unknown to them. I mean, as a business journalist, this is fascinating to me because,
0: you know, we, we rarely get visibility on anything here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there may be some criticism saying that, oh, it could have been an earlier shout on VAT and some of the details. But, you know, for, for this region, it's been pretty well flagged and pretty well trailed, as you mentioned. And, and so, you know, for me to be able to look ahead and say, you know what, the first quarter looks a lot like this is
1: very exciting to be able to forecast that and then to see how that actually pans out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, in fairness to the government, they told us they would give us a year and a half's notice. And at the end of June last year, I've forgotten in particular what the announcement was, but they made an announcement which could be read as here's your year and a half's notice. Sure, we can point to examples like Malaysia, where everything was on the table a year and a half before it went live. I think some of the error made in-country by organisations is that they assumed that they needed to have the full picture before they started on their project. Uh, I would advise any company, even at this point, carry on as if you're going to charge VAT on everything. And if your systems are complex enough, you should be able to turn off uh, those items, which are exceptions. And at least you'll have a 98, 99% solution, whereas a lot of entities today have zero. Now, I'm going to say that, you know, introduction
0: of VAT is a sign of a maturing economy. And I don't mean that as a euphemism for, you Mm. know, making life difficult for the average person out there. Um, But really, it shouldn't be difficult. It should actually be an opportunity for a lot of institutions and businesses to become more efficient. We talk about the government. And just before we started recording this, we were saying offline that you were telling me offline that the government is actually a taxpayer.
1: Yes, for VAT purposes, the government is a tax person, except where it's a sovereign activity. uh, And those will be detailed later in the executive regulations. So if you're uh, interacting with the government and invoicing them, you are going to be charging VAT. And it may feel rather weird that you're going to be charging VAT to the entity that you're going to give that VAT to and get paid back. But that's life. And it's it's, an internal pressure on efficiency Um, almost
0: like an external pressure, but created within the UAE itself on government institutions and also on corporations, on those businesses that qualify. And so you need to get your systems in check. Because as you mentioned at the beginning, there's serious implications for getting this wrong here. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're talking fraud. We're talking about a whole new area of um, being held accountable in terms of running your business.
1: Yeah, it's going to allow the government to shine a a better light on... Uh, activities within country—that's a good thing. But I think the most important element, uh, and it's not legislated for, is uh, your your internal processes, your documented process, how you work, what you do, and these are typically documented where your uh, for your trading activities. But we don't tend to do them back of house because VAT permeates through your whole supply chain, front and back of house. Um, you need to understand how VAT interacts with each element of it. A lot of businesses here are guilty of doing financial accounting at best, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment, and cash accounting at worst, which is looking at the bank account and understanding the health of your company that way. Financial accounting is the person who tells you there are two glasses on the table. Your management accounting, which is really what you need, is why they're there. And VAT will force you to have that conversation and no more uh, no, no better place really than the UAE in the GCC because you are going to be reporting revenue by Emirate that doesn't apply anywhere else and I can't see it applying anywhere Can else Can you explain that a little bit what the nuance of that So I'm an entity I'm trading in each of the seven Emirates when I go to report my VAT at the end of uh, the reporting period I must go Dubai is X Abu Dhabi is Y Sharjah is X and initially we're only going to have to do that by revenue The reality, as we know, is you never get asked for less information. You will always get asked for more down the line. And to be honest, any normal trading entity should be able to go, this is where my activity is. And I'm fairly reasonably sure, having spent long enough in the country, that they can't. And that's before we even get into that that paradox of like they should, but they can't. How quickly? They haven't got much time to get sorted out, really. I would say a large entity which is trading across many multiple sectors is probably too late they are not going to be ready on time or if they're in a particularly complex business. Uh, SMEs have enough time. The bigger question they're going to have to face is, is there enough technical skill in country to support them? The reality is there are enough countries in the world which have VAT, but if you look at, uh, and let's just pick the finance profession, and just to be clear, VAT is not accounting. VAT is accounting elements, but we typically turn to our accountants for support. The vast bulk of the accountants in this country are subcontinent. The Indians have just got uh, VAT as at July. Pakistan has never had it. Uh, or Lebanese. Now, the Lebanese have had it since 2002 or four, but most of the Lebanese in country have probably been here for such a long time that they've got little experience of it. So there is little technical resource in country to help you. You can bring in external resource from VAT Live countries, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, Europe, Your issue there is uh, you're bringing somebody cold into a commercial environment, which is very different to what they're coming from. So they've got all the technical skills and they have difficulty adapting to the commercial day-to-day life in this country. And let me
0: add another layer of complexity. This is a GCC customs union.
1: Yes. So we're not just
0: talking about the UAE and we're not talking about trading enterprises that only have revenue in seven emirates we're talking
1: about revenue in a number of GCC countries correct and they're all going to have different applications let's, let's put this in perspective the GCC framework uh, which everybody signed last year I think it was and Saudi Arabia released earlier this year UAE only recently released it but it's been signed that is the equivalent of a residential compound for six houses think of each GCC country as a house and they that set pretty much 80% of the rules pretty much we knew where we sat The VAT law, which has just come out in the last couple of days, is the decorations. And each country is allowed to decorate any way they like within the confines of the house. Uh, And then after that come what's called executive regulations. And what that is, is the the fine-tuning. Do I want a carpet or do I want a mat? What kind of Cornishine do I want? And all of those have got to respect the next layer of law up. So you're going to have variations on a theme. Food is a good example. We are now hearing for the UAE that it is likely that all food will have VAT. There is a list of 100, up to, up to 100, where they could choose which ones might have zero. Uh, basics like rice, um, etc. I believe the UAE has decided to put VAT on everything for simplicity. 5% is not a big rate. Uh, also, it will make life easier for the supply chain to manage VAT reporting for that. Uh, Saudi, and, and the difference,
0: for, the difference between exempt and zero rated when uh, you say cuz you mentioned a zero rate there yeah so there, there there is a difference
1: oh yes okay zero rate versus exempt so uh, let's give you an example of one of those secondary schooling as we understand will be zero rated what that means is a public or a private school and our understanding is that even private will be zero-rated for secondary and primary education. We'll come back in detail later on tertiary and nursery. What that means is that the school will get invoices with VAT charged, and they'll be able to reclaim that VAT, but when they invoice uh, their customers, i.e. the students, they will not apply VAT. That's zero-rate. What exempt means is that they cannot reclaim VAT on their costs. So residential uh, accommodation, that is exempt. So, uh, the tenant will not be charged VAT, and the landlord cannot claim VAT. For any VAT that he might pay in the yes. running of the house, basically. Yeah. So, um, VAT will not put up your uh, the value of your rent, but the landlord may take the view, well, I can't claim my inputs, so I'm going to put it up to compensate for the fact that I'm going to pay VAT. That's a possibility. Okay. So, that, but, But, I mean, overall... Uh, price
0: inflation is expected to be fairly benign, according to government forecasts, about 1.4%, 1.5%, a one-time jump. So we don't anticipate wholesale increases next year. And, and to touch upon your point a bit earlier, there might be some increases this year, which we're not forecasting. But we're saying if next year it's 1.5%, then on average across 2017 and 2018, it still won't be 5% across the board, probably.
1: No, there will be businesses which will absorb the increase. And we do know in certain areas there are supernormal profits been made. They'll probably take the view it's easier to have a roundish number. I wouldn't disagree. One and a half, two and a half, I think is probably uh, going to be the effect of VAT. That's probably about right.
0: I interrupted you when you were talking about how the Saudis would be decorating
1: their house in the compound. They have now released everything as of last night. I'm afraid I haven't read it. So I don't know what the final version looks like. They are going to be live in January 1. Saudi is a slightly different beast because Saudi is effectively a unitary authority. Uh, One person, one department, if you like, makes a decision and that's it. Uh, So they've been able to steal a march, if you like, on everybody else. The UAE is a different beast. We have seven emirates. We have a fledgling federal authority. We have particularly muscular free zones. So there's a lot of different uh, voices that must be heard. Uh, You could use the expression, nothing's agreed until everything's agreed. Uh, And we are certainly as as a country here, we talk about unity. So it has been slower here, but that's just a function of um, the the nature of the country. Um,
0: I want to come back to free zones in a bit, um, and I just want to talk a little bit about how um, by by implementing this VAT, by staying on schedule, by staying in line with with this sort of commitment that the GCC countries made they they're allowing themselves some flexibility right at the beginning you talked about how next year VAT could contribute some somewhere in the region of a quarter of the revenues that go towards the federal budget now when you have that kind of cushion then it gives you some kind of leeway with other policies so if we talk about in theory now they're cutting back they're saying they're cutting back on oil production that's a loss of revenue on that to stay in line with the big OPEC global restraint deal this These reforms in general allow a country to have more flexibility. And when I think back, we have very little flexibility on monetary policy because of our peg to the US dollar. We have very little flexibility in terms of oil market share up until recently because that was the majority of, of our mm-hmm. of our income. So the more we go on this path, liberalise energy prices, um, inc- introduce VAT, introduce excise taxes, then it gives the, the country an ability to deal with shocks, to absorb these shocks better. And that should help the businesses,
1: I imagine. It, it should do because, the as you say, uh, we're still uh, at a point in the economic development of the region where the government is a large part of economic activity. And that will continue for some time, but slowly it'll, it'll migrate away. It, it's, it's very easy and you do hear criticism of government, which I think is unfair. The GCC has had to catch up for, what, about 150 years of, say, Western European development, and they've done it very quickly. You go back, what, how many years? 40 years? And Dubai, Abu Dhabi were villages and small towns. Uh, and it's fascinating what they've become. They've become world-class cities in their own right, which is phenomenal. And Yeah, there's going to be issues with all the best will in the world. I think they've managed it extremely well. And VAT is part of that progression to uh, a modern economy where they have diversified revenue streams uh, and they can start to withdraw uh, piece by piece out of the greater economy. We talk in general economic theory that public sector spend crowds out private sector investment. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the government would miss being involved in certain things if they can get the private sector to do it for them. Uh, And that's sensible. Uh, And we'll see more of that down the line Corporation tax bin one, it's a long way away, but it will come. That's, again, normal. And at some point in this progression, income tax too in the yep. future. I would have said five to ten years after you get corporation tax, you'll have income tax. And again, it's not something we should be scared of. That's that's a good thing. It's a healthy sign of uh, uh, this, this region in the world uh, joining the greater world economy. So bringing it back to today, and we're looking at the
0: different sectors in which VAT will either apply or be exempt or be zero rated. Uh, a big one is, uh, because it's such a big contributor, construction. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anxiety out there from what I'm hearing from the construction sector about how the supply chain is going to handle VAT. VAT.
1: Um, the biggest issue I feel the, the construction sector has is the amount of players. I was talking to one recently. They don't have a huge amount of clients, but they have a huge amount of suppliers, the key risk there is making sure that their suppliers are properly registered. Um, what, you don't want the situation where I supply to you, I'm charging VAT, I tell you I'm registered, I'm not. I up sticks and disappear. The Federal Tax Authority come to see you and say that you have paid, or you've reclaimed VAT I charged you, which I shouldn't have charged you. That is now a liability for you. So you're going to have to pay that back because you sh- you've improperly claimed it. It's not an illegal activity. You're not going to get fined for it because it's not your fault, really. I can't imagine they'd fine you. You can and should demand from all of your suppliers a certified uh, VAT registration form. There's a cost for that, but at least then you're protected. Generally, as a rule of thumb, you're probably better off dealing with registered entities. It it does a couple of things. First of all, it tells you that they've got at least uh, that part of their paperwork in order. And secondly, that they're of a certain size. Uh, do you really want as a larger entity to be dealing with somebody who's turning over less than 367000 or $275,000 a year? No, not really. Um, it's too much of a risk. It, it's, it's not worth your while. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's a bit of a pest, if anything. There may be odd cases where you'll do it, but as a rule of thumb, if you're a large enough entity, no, you just don't want to be in that place. Um, for c- the construction industry in terms of importing uh, supplies, Uh, you're into the uh, world of what's called reverse charges again for people who've uh, grown up in the Western world uh, you deal with that by raising a self-billing invoice so I import from you you're based in Britain Uh, you don't charge me VAT nothing got to do with you so I get a bill from you for a thousand I've got uh, 5% VAT I need to create on your behalf an invoice from you to me for that amount and you may go, well, that doesn't make any sense. doesn't. But uh, it's it's required from a paperwork point of view, and you have to do it, because what you're going to do is charge yourself and reclaim it at the same time without involving the supplier. You're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have additional uh, fun and games where you import it into this country and then export it into another VAT live country in the GCC. Uh, in that case, and, and we're, we're actually still arguing how this works exactly, but my understanding is that... It comes into the country, you pay the VAT, the government take that money you've paid, give it to the country that it's going to, you then invoice your customer in that other country, plus VAT, but not as VAT. They then reclaim that as a reverse charge and get the money back off the local government. That's my understanding how it works. And it sounds convoluted, it is. And we're still arguing if that's exactly the mechanism. So yes, and this is why I say it's not about accounting, it's about processes. Um... My first ever major VAT audit in the UK, I had two days. Uh, I got fined. I didn't get fined. I had to pay back £86,000 because there was a rule change. Yes, it was an ouch. Uh, And what they had done, and it was reasonable when you thought about it, if you had a supplier invoice unpaid on your books for over six months, this would be an interesting rule to bring into this country, uh, or the GCC generally, and you would reclaim the VAT, uh, but you hadn't paid the invoice, you had to reverse the VAT element and give it back to the taxman I didn't realise that so I had to pay over 86 the taxman knew I wasn't lying because my face dropped he didn't find me I had to pay interest because it was effectively an interest free loan hands up me a couple but there uh, the other key element out of that was I discovered that my tax inspector knew nothing about accounting and he didn't need to he is going in and going have you applied rule 1 2 3 4 5 it's all about rules and if you haven't got your protocols done how, how do you put in a VAT solution if you don't know what it is you even do on a day-to-day basis? And so that's my big takeaway for today. Get your processes written down.
0: And, and by the same token,
1: if you're talking on the client side, a
0: lot of construction companies, their client is the government. And from what you were saying earlier, that would be a tax person because if we're talking about development of yep. a project, it's probably competitive. So uh-huh. it probably counts as non-sovereign. And in that case, is it similarly with a client like that? Do you have to have your processes correct? And what if their processes aren't
1: correct? They're the government. You know, whose fault is it? And and what happens in that case? VAT is a self-assessment system. It is up to you. The government is merely there to make sure that you followed the rules. Uh, It is up to you to manage it properly. So the onus is completely on
0: each company, each tax person, each individual to make sure they are in
1: compliance. Yes, absolutely. Uh, You are going to report it. Uh, you are going to put the. You're going to make sure that your organisation complies. That you report on time. That there is no fraud. I'd love to be there in the first few conversations that the Federal Tax Authority has with some of these
0: companies, where they're saying, "You should know. It was up to you. It was your responsibility." In this in this in this environment, in this culture, we haven't necessarily had that idea of if you're not told to do it,
1: yep. why do it? Right? Correct. Absolutely. And it's it's uh, it's very top down. Um, so if it doesn't come from the top, it doesn't come at all. Uh, Again, going back to my UK experience with my tax inspector, he arrived with the Book of Vat, and it was quite thick by then, of course. Uh, He could open it on any page. He could literally flick it open and read a rule. And that was quite frightening. Um, But, yeah, it is entirely up to you. The rules have been released. You are expected to understand them. The Federal Tax Authority have been holding seminars all year. You've had the right to ask questions. Were you there? I've been to loads of these FTA presentations and I have never seen one which has been packed out, not once. That, so that, that is enlightening because I guess, again, it was that immediacy.
0: But I, guess, I, bet, I bet people were going to pack out the next one
1: if there is going to be one before the f- the end of the year yeah there are more presentations yeah. to come uh, and I would certainly advise people to go to it The or go to them The what where we are now are at this point is the presentations are getting more specialised by sector uh, in fairness to the FTA they do a general review but that's really what you should have been picking up earlier on in the year there's mm, there's a lot of information in the public sphere some of it's good some of it's not so good and the issue you face as a listener today is if you get give, if you hear bad advice, read bad advice, depend on that, and taxman turns up and tells you it is incorrect, that is your problem. More business extra in just a moment, but first
0: allow me to tell you about the Nationals' other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And Extra Time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on iTunes or find us as always at thenational.ae. This is the Nationals Business Extra podcast from our newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Today, we're talking about VAT. With me is David Daly. We've been chatting across the whole spectrum of this subject, and now we're beginning to drill down into some of the sectors. Let's tick them off, David, if that's okay yep. with you. So we just talked about construction. How about financial services?
1: Financial services is the most difficult of them all, which is part of the reason I think Bahrain will be the last country to go live. Uh, mostly because VAT is a tax on goods and services. And in financial services, uh, there's a lot of uh, interest. So that is outside the remit of VAT. And the issue that they run into is they got to bifurcate. So they need to look at their input costs, which they'll reclaim, and they've got to look at their revenues and go, well, how much of my revenue is in the VAT world? How much of my revenue is not in the VAT world? Uh, And then they've got to apportion the costs accordingly. Now, that's a moving beast from period to period. So they've got to make sure that they are happy, that the bifurcation and reclaim of cost is correct. And that might not sound like a big deal, but one of the things we're likely to see, and we go on to reporting now, uh, reporting is generally going to be every three months, but the government can demand, or if you turn over over a certain amount of money, I don't know what that value is yet for the UAE, you must report anything up to monthly. Wow. So... Uh, major supermarket chains, Carrefour, for example, uh, they would expect, and I, nobody would be surprised if they had to report monthly because the turnover numbers will be huge. And the reason they do that in the, in, in the case of Carrefour is just the sheer quantity of money involved. Uh, so they'll want their cut uh, in a more timely manner as opposed to some fellow who's turning I, over I 30 million. I guess it's prudent because you yeah. can spot problems earlier. Yes. For uh, both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Again, to come down um, to that. They can also force entities to do it uh, if they're slightly fearful, or if they feel it's a particular sector where it's just more useful if they do that. Uh, so, yeah, financial services is a very difficult one. Uh, the f- most fun one, uh, and I haven't got 100% clarity on it, is think about a ATM withdrawal fee. And there will be de minimis rules, i.e. where the amounts are tiny. Uh, so I bank with Bank A, but I go to Bank B to withdraw my money. There's yeah. a fee. I hate those fees. Those fees are vatable. Now you're down to, well, where's my VAT invoice? Uh, Do the banks absorb it? Do they charge it? Who knows? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Hopefully they'll just say we're going to abolish this. We'll see. But what's more interesting is what happens from a VAT invoice point of view. Let's assume a VAT invoice has to be issued. That means that little receipt that comes out has got to have certain information on it. As I say, a de minimis rule will apply, and it's likely that it might just be an additional line. It mightn't be anything at all because of the nature of the fee. But that's the kind of detail you get down to. And when you start considering that VAT applies to something as simple as that, you start to understand it's a bit like sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> and if where financial
0: services meets healthcare, you've got health insurance.
1: Insurance is standard rate, with the exception of life insurance.
0: Okay, so life insurance is non-vatable. Yep. But healthcare, which is em- a lot of employers obviously mandatory provision of health insurance, that'll be that'll be part of basic healthcare, which is exempt or zero-rated, which is it? I forget
1: uh, off the top of my head. I, I'm not even going to go with that one at the moment, partly because there's so many exceptions. There's going to be a whole list of medical equipment. There is... Um, I'm missing somebody here on this one on health. There's an issue of medical equipment. There's a list. I think it's 89 items. There is elective surgery, which is definitely going to have VAT on it. Yeah, get uh, your plastic, you don't like surgery
0: plastic surgery done Get your plastic
1: surgery done. Of course, if you're in an accident and you need plastic surgery... Uh, and here you're into grey areas. Yes. Is that accident enough of an accident yeah. to justify and then, being elected for recovery? And if you say it's talking recovery. about
0: rules, then all we're looking for, and maybe this is coming, the executive regulations, we're yes. looking for the rule. Just decide.
1: Right? That's what we want. Decide. It's never that simple. Is it not? No. Um, as In fairness, again, to the UAE, they are trying as much as possible to keep this as simple as they can. Uh, the GCC framework will mirror to a large degree the EU one, because it's the only other uh Um, uh, group VAT system including multiple countries that exist in the world they have nothing else to mirror it on Uh, the general VAT system they've looked at VAT systems across the world and they've just tried to keep it simple Um, the 5% rate it's not a huge amount and that does give us enough time I believe to uh, adjust to it Uh, Just so you're aware, people have asked, will it go up? The OECD average is 19.6%. So I think it's reasonable to assume it probably will. However, it will require the agreement of all six members of the GCC for it to change because it's hard-coded into the GCC agreement.
0: So it's not a question of next month or next year. It's going to be some time. We'll get used to it I would have thought so. And just to go back, so non-life insurance is vatable, but health insurance we still don't know. Essentially, we're still waiting for some of the detail for what constitutes basic healthcare, because that is definitely not going to have a five percent VAT applied to it.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to stay off that one. And I'll come back to it. Let me just check a few things uh, because it's not as clear as we like to think.
0: So we'll come. We'll come back, to, come back to. We'll it. come back to healthcare. Um, let's let's talk about one that is clear. So precious metals for investment purposes. So your bullion, have no fear. Um, yeah. Your Krugerrand, yeah. um, those of you who sleep on a bed of silver, um, it's fine. That won't be valuable. But your oh. jewellery, which is a retail product, really, yes. that, that will be subject.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, no great surprises there. And there's a certain level of uh, purity. It's 99.9%. It'll be fairly obvious. It generally yeah. comes in bricks. And is, I wonder, is that because of the... the the sort of tendency for
0: a lot of smuggling to happen? Because you see the example of India, and, and I realize we we're, we're probably, I'm probably taking you out of your comfort zone. Um, <laughs> but for decades now, India's had a problem with gold smuggling, yep. and they continue to try and tax the gold, and it makes things worse. They're hoping that the GST actually will sort of reduce some of that smuggling, make things more transparent in general. But is, there, is it sometimes just some things, if you put tax on them, are just too hard to police in the end? You're encouraging
1: criminality really but if you think about it you don't consume gold okay we kind of do we put dustings on things but from you a bullion may, point of view you might get a cappuccino with it somewhere true. around here um, it, it's, it's an investment product it's it's not a good or a service and the idea is it's goods that you consume it's, um, with gold bullion or any type of bullion it's um, it's it's an investment vehicle um, so I think that's the reason they've gone with that Um I, I can't really give you any more information beyond that.
0: Education. So you mentioned earlier, yeah. Uh, school
1: education won't be will be zero rated, as we said at the moment, based on the VAT law. Anything provided by the state educationally from nursery through to tertiary is zero. Uh, the VAT law, from what I can see, doesn't talk about private. However, in terms of what we've been told in FTA presentations. Um, Primary and secondary are um, are going to be uh, zero. Uh, We don't know about tertiary, i.e., third level. Whether that's going to be standard. It could be wishful
0: thinking on my part, but the way I read it was, they the in it's basically in Arabic. The word was general education was Mm -hmm. zero rated, and but only government higher education tertiary. Was zero rated? Yeah, I read the English like, translation. Yeah, so. and the English translation used the word of elementary education, which, which, which in to English, me is primary. Yeah, but I don't yeah. think they, I don't think they meant it that way. And again, it could be wishful thinking on my part, since you know my kids are private schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see it as the the private schools will also be zero rated, and even even nurseries and and preschool. I think will also be zero-rated from my reading of it. Not just government, but all of them. Very
1: possibly. Uh, the only reason I questioned the nursery was there was a, a presentation by the big one of the big four companies. Uh, which I saw from earlier on in the year, and it talked about the zero rate applying from the um, statutory age at which children right. start yeah. school. But that's just a big four paper uh, early on in the process. I haven't heard anything since about it. Uh, you, you might be right. Uh, and until we get the executive re- regulations, I, I genuinely don't know.
0: But higher education is an interesting one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, particularly
1: there's in, in Dubai, a lot of private
0: tertiary institutions... Mm-hmm. And, of course, after school, uh, language
1: schools, you name it, they're all going to be subject to VAT too. I would have thought so. Part of the problem you have is it's very difficult to put a blanket rule in um, because you, you then start looking at tertiary education. You go, well, actually, this is tertiary in the traditional sense and this is tertiary in more of a course type sense. Right. Um, so unless you have a very clear categorisation where you go, okay, these are kids coming out of secondary school into tertiary, this is a more adult one where they're learning additional skills or reskilling, well, maybe that should be standard rate. Um, so that's, I think, why we're potentially looking at tertiary if it's private, having VAT. But I don't know. I'm I'm speculating.
0: And And transport, both air, land, sea...
1: All seems to have been bypassed by the law, including your airline tickets. Yeah, and that's normal. The interesting one uh, which people have raised is, well, what about your food on the plane? Uh, And what VAT tries to do for simplicity is to go, well, if you're on a plane, the primary activity is to travel from A to B. Therefore, the food and the other bits around it—that's neither here nor there. That's just supporting the primary activity. Very sensible. Therefore, yeah, absolutely. The VAT will apply to the apply to the final uh, the primary activity. And the one to think about is actually boxes of biscuits. That's the example given. You're buying the biscuits. You're not buying the tin. Right. So you could end up in a situation where the tin has actually got fat if you were to buy it, whereas the biscuits don't or vice versa or whichever way. But uh, what's the primary Always function function of Always back to the baked product? goods with VAT. That's where we end up, isn't it? He says patting his stomach.
0: Um, and what about... is Will
1: duty-free in airports remain duty-free? That's a great question because I saw last week in one of the papers uh, when excise duty was being announced that uh, cigarettes in Duty Free would go up. Now, that surprised uh, an awful lot of uh, people. Of of avid smokers. It did, uh, because it is... Fundamentally, offshore oh it's it's duty free. It, it's in the name. That could be wrong, and that, that, this is a good example of uh, not all information is correct. This is going to be, be suck. Careful. This is
0: going to be suck it and see, isn't it? Basically, on the on the on the duty free stuff. Well, that once you to go on the in there of on January, f- oh, oh October.
1: Excises, the first October. Yeah,
0: but there'll also be will there be VAT on electronic goods and things like that at the airport? That's uh, that's another question, right? Assuming duty free is duty free, there shouldn't yes. be and and i remember when i fly in other airports my sandwich after um i go through passport control is 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 less vat yeah compared to my sandwich if i bought it before i went through passport you'd control.
1: hope yes um Again, I haven't heard a conversation on it, but that would be a logical assumption. First uh, of October, it's going to be interesting to see: is there a doubling off the price of cigarettes in duty free? This is, uh, this is ex- that's that, excise they? tax we're talking Frit. about. Yes, yeah. Um,
0: and it, we we kind of brought, let's branch out into the thorny uh, world of free zones. Again, you know, we're jumping from: is duty free really duty free? Will free zones really be free? And you, you wrote about this in the paper uh, mm-hmm. the other day, a very good article, which essentially you said um, it's not just about how much you pay for your cup of coffee in a cafe in a free zone, but mm. there's much more actually that has to be considered when it you, comes to introducing VAT.
1: Yeah, you, you end up at a rather funny situation. Uh, uh, and I write about imagining being a coffee consumer. You're on one side of the road, you've got your coffee shop. Uh, It's in a free zone and let's assume it's unfenced and they decide VAT will not apply. So your coffee is going to cost what it does today and across the road is the same coffee shop and it has to charge VAT. Well, everybody's going to walk across the road. It's unfenced and they'll buy the coffee in the other place. Uh, Typically in this country, the onshore properties uh, are owned wholesale. So uh, you may end up finding that that landlord onshore Uh, his tenants will want uh, deductions. The onshore economy gets hurt by people being able to walk across the road into an unfenced free zone and buy the same goods for less. That's a a logical thing for a customer to do. What they could do is decide to charge VAT to retail environments um, offshore, or sorry, uh, sorry, in free zones, in which case they'll be equalized. But you now have a situation where a business which would be still sitting exempt, which has an electronic store downstairs, goes down to buy a computer and finds this VAT. But technically, if they walk across the road to the same shop and buy it, that shop would be exporting it into a VAT exempt zone and wouldn't charge VAT. So we now have consumers going from onshore to offshore to buy coffee and suppliers, or sorry, businesses going offshore to onshore to buy equipment. So I don't think they'll do that. It doesn't make any sense. The other thing they can do is to fence everything. And the moment they do that, uh, roads are going to start closing. Uh because roads going through unfenced free zones right now are normal arterial roads. So bye-bye National uh, Transport Plan. Uh, so that's not going to happen. I-, I can't see it anyway. So the last thing is what everybody's been talking about is if it's already fenced, it'll be tax-exempt. If it's on VAT will apply. VAT is not a corporation tax. It's not an income tax. It's a consumption tax. And to stop silly arbitrage opportunities, the sensible thing to do would be just to follow that. There might be a fourth way. I can't think of what it is uh, if they come up with it. Let's see. uh, When the executive regulations come out, which I would imagine will be sometime in October, hopefully maybe September. But
0: And the final sector that we'll look at before I let you go, because we've taken a lot of your time, David, um, is property. Um, We know that you won't be paying VAT on your rent, we know that the first three years of a new built property will not be subject to VAT. Mm-hmm. However, on the secondary market after that, there'll be VAT on the sale. Yeah, and also uh, when it comes to commercial property, rent, yes. rentals, and sales, yes, well that, will, that will be subject to VAT. Yeah,
1: and so that is another thing to consider for the property market. Absolutely, yeah, Uh, which is soft at the moment anyway, so uh, I think it'll get absorbed into that. Uh, In that way, it's probably not a bad time to be introducing VAT. Uh, You can argue it's a drag on the economy. It is and it isn't. It does put coffers into the government's hand and typically, again, go back to economic theory, uh, when the economy goes soft, the government typically steps in to get things going again, so they will have the money to do so. I know you wanted to clarify that little bit about uh, health care and health insurance. What have you found out, David? Yeah, as I say, it's there's still uh, elements which need to be clarified. But effectively, supply of uh, certain healthcare services and supply of certain goods and services will be zero rated. Uh, I think, as I said, uh, elective surgery will certainly be standard. And that will be uh, clarified in the executive regulations. David Daly, a regular contributor to The
0: National and a partner at Argent Gulf Consulting. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to The National's Business Extra podcast from our Unuser in Abu Dhabi. This has been an episode about the VAT and all things about the value-added tax due on January the First. I hope you've enjoyed it. You can read David Daly's columns as well as our fuller VAT coverage on www.thenational.ae. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to this and our other shows on iTunes. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. Join us again next week.